Hello, you are watching or listening to Protestia tonight for January 17th, 2023. This is the program that we hope will be glorifying to God, convicting the sinners, and edifying to the saints. A program with sincere questions and biblical answers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I just barely made it for this. I have to, I guess, start off everything by by uh, apologizing to our Bulldogmatic Bible studiers, the folks that we have on the Bulldogmatic Bible study. A an hour before this program goes live, I was not able to get here in time to start the meeting or anything, and so I just have to start by saying uh, I apologize for that. Uh, it is snowing like crazy over here in the Denver area. Um, the, so, so I decided, you know, you guys know that the background going on over here is not, um, it, it's not, uh, legit, I guess. I don't know say <laughs> it that way. Uh, but I decided to throw a little snow on here just, just to, just, just to remind you what's going on over here in the Denver area. Um, we have some stuff to, to talk about tonight for sure. Uh, we are going to be discussing, I, I want to dig in a little bit more to an article that I put up a couple days ago about um, um, about Doug Wilson and I guess John Piper and some other some other gentlemen that we really respect uh, most of the time uh, on most things. We think they're generally pretty solid, but we think they're missing the mark a little bit on um, this whole idea of homosexual orientation or exactly what that. Um, what that looks like or what that means in the Christian context and the biblical context and the ease with which these issues can, and the terminology behind them can, the, the waters can be muddied. We'll put it that way. So we're going to um, discuss that for sure. We're also going to go through a a tweet where Bart Barber, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, maybe they're touring the facility or what, uh, but was down in New Orleans where the 2023 SBC annual meeting will be and decided to weigh in on some pressure being put on the Southern Baptist Convention in relationship to um, their, I guess they have a hotline or something and it's run by like guidepost, like LGBTQ guidepost. That's what I call it now. I call it LGBTQ guidepost. We're going to go through that a little bit and discuss it uh, as well. Uh, we may get to, to some other headlines, but suffice to say, I think that that this discussion about sin and temptation and um, how how uh, how it relates to desire and these kind of things are, I think that discussion is probably going to dominate uh, our time. We are again going out on the Protestia channel as well as the Protestia Live channel. So if you have, or I'm sorry, the Protestia Tonight channel. So if you happen to be watching this on a smaller little window to the upper left, and you're seeing headlines, you're seeing um, little you know advertisements for other shows and things that we do. Um, that's the, and you're on the Protestia channel. More than welcome to watch it here, obviously, because. We put it in we're 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 uh, simulcasting, I guess you could say it that way. But if you want to participate in the chat, you want to show up over here, yeah, right over here where the chat messages are coming in. Um, switch over to the Protestia Tonight live stream. You can actually find that live stream on protestia.com sitting right now, right under the website banner. You can kind of see it um right here uh at the very top. And if you want to chat, I mean, you can hit play and you can watch it on the website, of course. But if you want to chat with everybody, if you want to be talking to um, some of our wonderful regulars, Betty, Violet, I see on the on the chat, 
Um, Betty or uh, Violet says my m- music sounds like Matt Watch. I think she means Matt Walsh, but I'll let <laughs> it's it's uh yeah I, it, um but uh, uh yeah you can if you want to chat click on the top banner on the top banner on uh, that page and it'll open up another window in YouTube and then you'll see the chat going on and you can you can join in and ask questions all those kinds of things. Uh, see Jammy is on the live stream says it's raining in Raleigh, but we can give thanks for the rain too. Amen. Uh, yeah, we, we need the snow actually in the Denver, in the, in the Colorado area, we're, um, a little bit over the, the usual snowpack and the usual, um, the usual amount of precipitation. Um, it has not stopped the climate alarmists from going crazy. So like if it gets warm here, that's global warming and climate change. If it gets cold here, that's global warming and climate change. Uh, you know, if, if the weather is calm and, and, and dry, well, that's, that's problematic weather. If the weather is crazy and, and snowing sideways and, and blowing houses over, well, of course that's bad too. So, I mean, and anything to push, um, what, what has basically become the new home of communists, <laughs> but, but I digress. Um, yeah, God, God gives us all, uh, good things and we should always be thankful for them. Uh, before we get into the news day, oh, and a little bit of, uh, a little bit of housekeeping before I get into it, as as you probably know, but if you don't know, there's a link, or a, I, it's not even a link, it's not like you can click on it, but it says in the banner, where am I? Right here. It says in the banner right here, uh, patreon.com slash protestia. If you want to join in and support this ministry on a financial level, it's about the cu- the cost of a cup of Starbucks coffee a month, and you can get full access access to this program. So you'll, you'll get the free portion here, what we affectionately call the freeloader portion that you're watching on, on YouTube or listening to on an RSS stream, which by the way, I'll talk about that here in a sec, how, how some of these things have changed recently. Um, but if you want to get the full program, which includes this portion here, but also what we're calling the PTVIP, which is a separate live stream and a separate portion of the podcast, you can do so for five ninety five a month. And in Patreon, you will get the full uh, audio podcast format. You'll also get access to both um, live stream videos that you can you can watch live um, after right after this, um, or you can watch it later um, whenever you get the chance. Uh, for nineteen ninety five a month, you can join us for what should have been tonight the Bulldogmatic Bible Study. And uh, yeah, all all I can say is uh, I yeah I I couldn't make it. I <laughs> have to apologize. We have some very uh, solid and wonderful brothers and sisters that are on the Bible study. I know that a lot of folks can't make it, but if you can. For nineteen ninety five a month, you'll nineteen ninety five a month. You'll get that Zoom link in Patreon, and you can join us uh, if you'd like to study uh, with us. But nineteen ninety five a month is a little too much. Totally cool. Send me a message. I'll make sure that you get into the uh, study uh, anyway. Um, there are other levels of of patronage and things like that. You get some you know, like little swag that that Patreon. Um, uh, you know, pa- Patreon uh, will provide for you at, at different levels, like mugs and and, and shirts and hoodies and things like that. Um, that's not something uh, we've been accused in the past of selling merchandise. It's not selling merchandise. It actually just comes out of the comes comes out of the patrons. But it's fun. You get some protestia stuff. You get to, you know all the people at your church to look at you sideways and 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 oh, it's one of those what one of those troublemaking protestia people. <laughs> but if if that's your bag, if you like doing that. There you go. That's a way to get it done. Um, before we get to the the new, oh, and one more thing: the insurgency email list, uh, Substack, Substack dot uh, com, or it's it's protestia dot and you can get the insurgency email list. I think uh, email blast uh, three times a week, um, no charge, or for seven dollars a month, you get you get get it every day. 
Uh, I believe it's five days a week. Um, but if you join us on Patreon, send me a message. I will make sure you get added to the full everyday uh, insurgency email list, which basically keeps you from having to go all over the internet to find um, all the information that mainstream media would like you not to see. Um, actually, I, I got a notification, and I don't know if I should be saying this on YouTube, but let's see what happens. I got a notification. We got we 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 got a community guidelines like strike or. I don't know if it was a strike or they just removed a video from the Protestia YouTube channel that was years old now. But um, my good friend and brother J.D. Hall was talking about uh, big tech canceling and, and, and things that had happened basically right after um, uh, January 6th, 2021, when big tech decided they were going to, you know, almost with one move, start to censor and and get very aggressive with conservative uh, content online. And they pulled that video. And ironically, here's the, the ironic part is JD said in that video, this video is going to get pulled down. This video is going to get pulled down by YouTube. And, and well, it took a little while, but he was right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but if you want to stay in touch with us, no matter what, the ways to do that are obviously join us on Patreon, join the insurgency email list, but also just stay tuned to protestia.com because in the event that something like that happens, and I think that it's still possible that it can happen and may happen um, down the road, they can't touch that yet. So, you know, we might get yanked down on YouTube. We might get yanked down on Facebook and Twitter and things, you know, probably less likely on Twitter at this point, but you never know. Um, But protestia.com, you can always stay in touch with us. Uh, from there, you can always get in contact with us from there. And so uh, we always recommend that that become the number one place that you go, at least, you know, to to communicate with us or to see what we're doing or see what's going on. Um, before we get into the the issue that I that, that I really want to talk about, and I want to I want to make this this more of a personal appeal, because I know that, um, well, well, we'll get into it in just a second. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the gospel. I want to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, this is something that we try to put at the beginning of every program. And it, it, it's really the most important thing because you never know who's hearing this. You never know when they're hearing it, whether they're hearing it on, on an RSS feed or whether they're hearing it on YouTube or whatever. And they may not know what we're all talking about when we say the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and how important that is. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that even though all of us are sinners, lost in our sin, um, separated from God, um, really rebels against God and deserving of eternal punishment because God is perfect in his holiness, um, there are no exceptions to it. And it doesn't matter if you did some good things, if you did more good things than bad, you think. None of that lives up to God's holy standard. And because of that, we are all destined for a, an, etern- an eternity apart from him, um, an eternal punishment in hell. This is what the Bible teaches. <clears throat> and sorry, it's, it's dry around here in Colorado, as you can also probably tell. <laughs> but um, because we're all destined for an eternity apart from God and eternal punishment, that, well, that seems like really bad news. And it is bad news for those uh, who die apart from Christ, for those those that that die and face the judgment seat, um, stand before God and do not are not able to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And by that I mean the the good news of Jesus Christ is 
he came to earth to pay that price for sinners that place their faith, hope, and trust in him. And um, those of us who are, who are believers, who believe this, place our faith and trust in Jesus to save us from our sins, um, we now have a, a, we now have a way to say to God, uh, um, I know, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I, I deserve death, but Christ made payment for me. Um, and the way that this happened, the way that this works is Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life he, that we could not live. He earned righteousness that we could not earn and then died in our place. We were supposed to die. We deserve that. That was our penalty. Instead, Jesus stepped in and said, I'm going to pay that price for you. And by faith and by the grace of God, you place your faith, trust, and hope in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. And towards the lordship of Jesus, you can be saved. You will be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. And it's available. It's available to everybody. Yes, I am a, um, I am a, and a, a believer in the doctrines of grace. And so I believe that God uh, um, is sovereign in election and salvation for sure. But we're human beings. We have no idea. We have no idea who God has called and who he hasn't called. That's, that's for him to know. Um, and so we preach the gospel to everybody unapologetically, whether we think whatever we think about your life in, in, in the situation you found yourself in and, and how, how lost you may be and how sinful you may be and, um, and all of that, nobody is outside of God's ability to, to save. And so we preach the gospel um, in and out of season to the saved, to the lost, to everybody. Um, believers like us need to hear it as well. It's a blessing to us every time we hear the gospel. But the, Jesus paid that price. He died a horrific death on a cross in our place. Um, to make payment uh, for the for our sins, um, was buried. He died, was buried, and on the third day, resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came back to life, um, and likewise, not in the exact same physical way, but likewise, those of us that place our faith in in Jesus Christ, we come back to life. We are born again. Scripture says we're born again. We're made a new creation. Um, it's what, what Christians, uh, what we call regeneration that happens. Um, and, and the Bible says Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. Uh, we are adopted into the family of God. We are given, um, the gift of eternal life by God and, um, now are, are enabled to, um, now, now we're able to do actual good works. We're enabled, you know, we, we are indwelt by the Holy spirit. He, he, um, ministers to us. God, God, um, empowers us to do his work, to work for the kingdom, to be obedient. Um, and that's what we try to do on this program is we talk about things that are, uh, let's, let's say very argumentative. Let's, let's say, um, it, there's a fair amount of, especially in our soft modern culture, a fair amount of, um, negativity. They would say it that way. Well, that's negative. And, and yet it is something that we are uh, instructed to do scripturally. And, and of course, these things are negative because the gospel is so positive because the miracle and the blessing and the wonder of the gospel is so amazing. Um, we would, we would be wrong to not point out when teachers are teaching false gospels, when they're teaching false doctrine, when they're leading people astray, when they're teaching things that are opposed to God's word. Um, and so that's what we endeavor to do on this program. Now, 
the program and the website are, are specifically geared within the the reformed um evangelical and protestant traditions for sure and so sometimes we we end up with um concerns with people that we generally like people we generally agree with and we would we would be doing a, a disservice to both them and and others um that would hear that hear some of these things to not address them and on the the um the last podcast that I did or the I believe it was I recorded Wednesday last Wednesday I had on um Dr. Jared Moore and he expressed some concerns about uh some of the 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 teachings or the phraseology even or the way that that um this whole idea of um homosexual attraction versus temptation versus um and I always pronounce it wrong concupiscence I think I got it right that time but the idea of this yearning and this desire and 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 things like in that um I believe the words in the King James version and so someone like uh that me that grew up reading the NIV and then figured out that that wasn't the best translation and whatnot. I didn't spend a lot of time in the King James version, uh, but concupiscence is a word that uh, comes out of the out of the KJV. Um, we heard some teachers and some pastors and things that we, like I said, we generally like, uh, kind of fall on, fall on their face on this a little bit. And and the one that the one that I focused on was in, in an article I put up at Protesta. You can still see it on the homepage um, in an article called Doug Wilson's um, Homardiological Orientation. Um, and and uh, homardiology is, this. If it, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong too, but it's the study of sin. It's the study of sin. And I, I said it that way because I think that, um, I think that Doug is, is, he's, he's doing a kind of a, what I call the typical Doug Wilson thing. And the thing is, I want to make this clear. I really like Doug Wilson. I, I read his books. I I own several of them. Of course, um, the serrated edge is, I think I've read that, I don't know, four or five times just to remind myself it's okay to, to, to be direct. And there is biblical, um, justification for that. Um, but, but what I found was it, Doug had actually responded to, um, to, to Jared's concerns, to Dr. Moore's concerns. I don't know if you like to call Doc. See, I don't like calling him Dr. Moore because then people think I'm talking about a different guy. And ironically, they, they, they might think I'm talking about this different guy who happens to be way off the rails on homosexual orientation. But the thing that, the thing that concerned me wasn't just that, um, that Doug Wilson had said some of these things that he, he had said that he had used the framework of the world without really answering the, the problematic um, definitional um, framework being used. But then when he was kind of called out on it, some of his answers were, they were concerning to me um, real concerning. And especially in terms of his, his Christological Christological um, views, his, his views on Christ. And, and one of them being real specifically that he, he basically claimed, and we're going to walk through this a little bit because I really think that it's, it's, we want to, we, we want to do the loving thing for brothers in Christ. 
And I want to be clear, I, I said in my article that a claim that God was capable of sin or categorically capable of sin, I think it was that way, is heresy. I want to be clear, I don't think that Doug Wilson is a heretic. And I realize I'm borrowing a little bit of how Doug might approach something like this, where he would say, I know I said, um, you know, cause he, cause he, he uses these sort of, he uses a lot of definitional boundaries that I think are relatively unique in the, in the reformed world. I don't think that he's, um, real consistent with the reformed tradition in some ways, but it's worth discussing. And I want to make sure that, you know, cause he doesn't, <clears throat> Doug Wilson doesn't know who I am. He, he, I'm sure he knows who JD is and know who I am. I would come out of nowhere and put up an article that, that's that's very critical of his response. Um, hopefully helpful for those that are trying to parse the issue, and hopefully, if he's read it, and I think he has, um, give give him you know it, either something to think about or at least to understand. Hey, you know, we still have concerns with this. This hasn't been fixed. Um, so I want to walk through that article a little bit, and and. We'll walk through Doug's uh, uh, response as well. Uh, he this was uh, he put up this rebuttal on his um, his blog, blog and May blog, which I think is a it's that's a very funny title to me. Um, on the eleventh, so this would have been almost a week ago, and well, let's just walk through it just a little bit here. Let's see if I can get this pulled up. There we go. I'm going to have to take the chat down because it you know, block what I'm talking about here. Okay. So yeah. So he said that the, the question concerns lust, desire, concupiscence, same sex attraction, and so on. And he says, Jared Moore put the ball in play with his appearance on John Harris's platform. Um, those of you who watch conversations that matter probably saw me on there a week or two ago talking about, um, um, and it, it was a related issue to this, believe it or not. It was related in that I had stood up to a, a sort of a local church who had been um, preaching just basically full-on LGBTQ acceptance in the church. Obviously, Doug Wilson does not do that. Kevin DeYoung does not do that. John Piper does not do that. Um, so Doug, he start, Doug starts by t- saying um, that Jared Moore said he was one of the elites um, – and that Doug thought himself above interacting with lowly types like Jared Moore. Like, I mean, I've listened to that interview, you know, Jared, Jared Moore on John Harrison. That's not really what he said, which I mean, so that concerns me. We don't, we don't want to, we don't want to be overstating um, what somebody said, if we're going to answer to them. And he said in, in, in a nutshell, you know, post is likely to turn into a beast. Yeah. It's about 4,000 words. I think. Doug's response here. And I want to say before I start off discussing this, it's my understanding. And I don't know if this has happened or not, or what the, what the uh, result of, of anything was particularly, it was my understanding that, that um, Doug Wilson and Jared Moore were going to discuss this at some point. I haven't seen it yet online. Um, It may be coming. I also heard through the grapevine that, um, that John Harris's conversations that matter um, YouTube channel has been like putting time out because that's what YouTube does to conservatives like us, I guess. And so maybe it is the wait for his channel to come back uh, uh, available before he can put something up. Um, but I digress. So Doug goes on to say um, that he affirms Westminster, the Westminster confession of faith. And he quotes some of it here. 
Um, and then, and then, uh, says uh, really a lot of true things, a lot of true things in here. Um, I see Violet saying on the chat, uh, Harris is in jail. Yeah. For, for one week he said, okay. Um, maybe he was able to put up a, a post or something like that, that, uh, that I, that I haven't seen, but yeah, that, that was my understanding as well. Um, Okay, so so Doug goes on to say that apart from the imputation of Christ's righteousness, this corruption alone would be sufficient grounds for damnation. True story. Yes, true. Um, and then he goes on to say, when I say that a Christian, a member, say, of Christ Church in good standing, has a homosexual orientation, I'm not talking about his or her identity. Now, of course, this concerned me immediately because in the the quote or in the clip that was being that that Jared Moore was discussing. Doug didn't say that the person had a homosexual orientation. He said they're homosexuals. He said this person is a homosexual. And so right away we get into a, uh, an issue where we need to be very clear about what these terms mean. And if they have a biblical analog, if they actually can be found, the, the, the concept of the term as it's used in conversation can actually be found in scripture, or if it can't, um, can we derive a biblical understanding of it? And some of these terms, they they don't even they describe things that we would argue biblically don't even exist. And I would say homosexual being a homosexual, being a gay person, biblically speaking, that doesn't exist. That doesn't there is no biblical support for the idea that you can have a um a natural predisposition that is entirely unaffected by um, anything spiritual, any biblical teaching, any work of God is just the way you are in this category. That's not biblical. That actually does not exist in scripture. And so if someone says um, that they, that they are a homosexual, we, we, the right answer, the right response to that is, well, um, you're saying that you're saying that, but, if, if by that you mean, and it, it does mean this, that you um, have a, a, a natural orientation, like Doug says, it's different from everybody else and cannot, be, cannot ever change, desires can't ever change, it's just the way you are, I don't accept that. I don't accept that framework. Um, in the same way, the term orientation, it, 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 it implies this. So, so when Doug says in his article that, that he would call um, someone in his church as a homosexual orientation, that's, that's, that's pretty close to saying they're a homosexual. But again, our response biblically is, that's not a thing. I mean, I know you're saying that. I mean, and, and someone who says, well, I'm, I'm transgender, we would also say, we would also say, um, that's not a thing biblically. I mean, depravity and sin and things like that. You can slap any label you want on it at that point, but the way that these terms are used in modern parlance and modern conversation is not biblically supportable. So if we're going to use these terms, if we're going to engage in discussion on these terms, it better be with a healthy, healthy understanding or an explanation that I reject the premise of the term itself. That's not that I, you know, I, I'm not going to have an argument and a discussion on within worldly framework when I have the word of God. You know, yeah, Violet's saying orientation is um, new terminology in our modern culture. Yeah, 
Exactly. And that was the the first real problem I had with what Doug was saying. And even with his response here is you're still unwilling apparently to challenge these things on, um, to, to challenge the premise, the premise of the conversation. So he says, um, he says here, no Christian's identity is ever to be found in any center corrupt trait agreed, but rather in Christ alone. I would call someone a homosexual if they have committed homosexual acts merely in the same, or really wanted to merely in the same way I would call a Christian a thief if he had shoplifted something. Now, already we have a problem here, I w- you know, because in this quote, in, in the, the, the claim that Jared Moore brought up, in front of this Q&A, I guess it was like University of Indiana, I think, um, this Q&A, Doug said that we have homosexuals in our church who are members of good standing. And apparently, at least according to this, what he meant was we have members of our church in good standing that have committed these sins in the past. They've come from that. Okay, but then you shouldn't be calling them homosexuals because that term denotes active lifestyle, active desires, a, a, an identif- an identity as a homosexual. Like nobody these days would ever say so-and-so is a homosexual. So-and-so is gay. Um, and, and expect people to assume, Oh, that means that they, that they sinned that way in the past, but they repented of that at this point. They don't do that anymore. They're, they're, they're not part of that lifestyle. They, they don't give in to those desires like they used to. We, we would never expect that. So why would Doug assume um, that an audience of college kids would, would think anything else? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, Paul, uh, good, to, good, good to see you on it in the chat, Paul. Yeah, um, yeah, he says, 1 Corinthians 6 speaks of men who practice homosexuality in the past tense for believers who once sinned that way. Yeah, there, there's, there, there's a, a framework here. Uh, as as you know, and yeah, you say say later as such uh, and such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by spirit, spirit of our God, and that's that's how I referred to it um, as well. Um, in my response, I basically said he made a. If I can find this here. Yeah, he made a First Corinthians six eleven error, and and basically that's to say we shouldn't be using terms that that a we know don't even have biblical support for what they claim to to uh to indicate or claim to describe um but also we shouldn't be using terms like like this that imply things to everybody listening that are not what we're trying to say so so again in in Doug's comparison here he says i would call a christian a thief if he have shot if he had shoplifted something okay would would you continue to call him a thief like he repents of that. He makes amends. Um, he is now walking um, in faith and is a a member of your church in good standing. You keep calling him a thief. I don't think you would. So why would you keep calling him homosexuals? It just doesn't make sense. Um, and it it just it seems like he's trying to to like wiggle out of it and try to defend the statements instead of just saying, "Yeah, I misspoke." I said it this way and this, and and I shouldn't have, this is what I really believe. No big deal. I mean, people do that. We're all, you know, we're, we're all, uh, imperfect human beings. Even, even, I mean, believers teaching things about the Bible mess it up sometimes, you know, 
It's, it's like you just say, yeah, I, I, I didn't, here's what I believe. I said this, I shouldn't have and, and move on, you know, but, in, but instead we have a 4,000 word defense that, that is basically saying, no, you, you guys all misunderstood me. You know, you, you guys just didn't get what I was really saying, which is, it's like, it, it doesn't need to be that way. Just, you know, I mean the word, and, and then he goes on to talk about the word orientation and, and this, um, the, the funny part, by the way, about the thieving, and I think I said this in my article is, is he, he goes on to say thieving is not an identity. Okay. So, so then it's a really bad analogy then with thief versus homosexual is a really bad analogy because in our modern culture, homosexual is an identity. It's an identity that, that really, um, has a much larger scope than just private sexual behavior, much larger scope than that in, in our modern um, fallen culture. And so he, he says, um, the word orientation can legitimately, he says, uh, legitimately be used simply to describe how a person is likely to be tempted this time tomorrow. Um, Hmm. Legitimately be used simply to describe how a person is likely to be tempted this time tomorrow. Right here. We need to be very, very careful to, approach temptation from a biblical perspective because temptation in and of itself, temptation in and of itself is not sinful, but the source of that temptation might be. And here's what I mean. We know that Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted externally. The, 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 the devil tempted Christ. He presented Christ opportunities to sin opportunities to, um, to get, what in other, another context would be a good thing, you know, food and um, the ruling lordship that he would, he would have from his father. The devil presented him with the opportunity to get that through sinful means. And so that, that external temptation in and of itself is not sin. And yet if we see in, in, um, in James, and I'm going to pull this up, I'm going to pull this up because I think it's a, uh, I think it's it's important that we really walk through this this text. We're going to go to and this will be James uh, it's 112 I believe or 113. So I'm pulling up the scripture here so I can drop it on the screen. Oh, there we go. So we're going to go to James Yep, here we go. So this is James one twelve. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Now, what is a trial biblically? What is a trial? This is when God allows hardship to happen in our lives, challenges to happen, things that that cause us pain, um, that very often can you know, lead us to sin or they can lead us to obedience. They can result in sin or they can result in obedience. And you see it here saying, um, if we remain steadfast under trial, we are blessed, right? Man is blessed to remain steadfast. Um, when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. 
So this is important here. When it says God tempts no one, does that mean God doesn't allow temptation? Well, of course he allows temptation. Does God allow trial? Well, yes. In fact, he, he uses trial to sanctify us, uses trial to help us grow um, in the faith. So when we're, we, we would say something like, I'm being tempted by God, this is, this is not talking about um, external temptation because it characterizes it here, for God cannot be tempted with evil. We're talking about evil temptation. Now, where does evil temptation come from? Well, it comes from the evil things of the world. It comes from the devil, but also it comes from within us. Our sinful nature can still tempt us. And we see this down um, in verse 14, but each person is tempted. Each person is tempted to sin, to sin of course, uh, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So now we, we see the scripture very clearly saying that your own desire, your own desire will lure you and entice you that creates temptation, internal temptation. Verse 15, then desire, um, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. So desire conceives, conceives temptation. We give in to the temptation and we sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we see an order here. We see, we see how this develops in with in, in the flesh, really. And Christians and, and non-Christians alike have, are still subject to the flesh nature. So we see this, that your own desires, your own sinful nature, you're still battling with, can tempt you and does tempt you. Um, and, and very often it tempts you with things that may in the past have been temptations externally that you sinned with and struggled with. Now these temptations can come from, or th- this, th- these desires create temptations inside. So back to um, back to the article here. Um, again, Doug said orientation. The word orientation can legitimately be used simply to describe how a person is likely to be tempted tomorrow. So he's clearly describing. Well, well, he must be logically speaking describing internal temptation because we wouldn't say. Uh, that somebody in, in his, he has an example, um, about seeing a pop-up ad, a gay pop-up ad and, and, a someone struggling, um, apparently with what he calls homosexual vulnerabilities, sees this ad and, um, is tempt is tempted. We wouldn't say that his earlier statement, um, how a person is likely to be tempted tomorrow means that, well, just because you struggle with homosexuality in the past means you're more likely to see a gay pop-up ad. If you are more likely to see it, well, it's because you've given in other ways, perhaps. I mean, that's, that that's possible. But if we say we're taking two people here, um, and one, one who is struggling with, or is, has, has, um, fallen into temptation and sin in a homosexual way before and someone who hasn't, they're not more or less likely to see this ad, which means we have to assume Doug is talking about um, internal temptation. He goes on to say the mere fact of this likely line of temptation is not sin, but te- the temptation does, does depend for some of its force on the corruption of nature, which is sin. Um, that's the problem right there because in James, we clearly see that temptation, internal temptation is born of desire. It's born of desire and desire for anything other than 
righteousness and the ways of God and obedience is sin. Desire itself is sin. And that I, I think this, this is where we get this twisted around because temptation biblically defined uh, follows, internally follows desire. Um, yeah, and Paul's saying God isn't, also isn't responsible for your papa badge. You earned those cookies yet. Yeah, yes. Usually true. Um, and that, and then, I mean, we're seeing there, like, like in that example, we would be seeing the consequences of earlier sin, earlier giving in to these temptations, the desires that led to those temptations. Um, and then we get into his article gets into just, you know, what I would argue is not a biblical and reformed distinction to be made. Um, in terms of the nat, the, 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 I would say, I guess the natural progression of sin, he says, there is an important distinction to be made between the word sin, the word sin and the phrase a sin say that a Christian with homosexual vulnerability sees the pop-up bad. And the moment it hits him, it looks good to him. We, we have a problem. I mean, what he looks at that and it looks good. Now, if he uh, he is a Christian, if he is a Christian, then he knows by the word of God that that is a uh, an abomination. He knows this from the Bible that men with men, women with women, anything outside of um, the biblical recipe for sexual behavior in the confines of marriage is not a good thing. So he looks and says, "That looks good to me. Uh, that's a sin. That's a sin. That desire." That thought, that looks good to me. That's what leads to the temptation. Now, Doug goes on to say, the reason it looks good to him is because of the particular kink in his corruption of nature, which is sin. So, I mean, we're getting twisted here between what's a sin and sin. But if he immediately rejects the invitation, within a second, I guess there's a time limit on this, and walks away from it, he's navigated the situation correctly. Well, he's navigated the situation after he saw thought that it was good correctly, he hasn't piled on his sin. He hasn't continued to sin additionally, but the initial that's good to me is still a sin still should be confessed. It still should be run from and mortified and, and confessed before God. And, and with the idea that God can conquer that God can mortify that. Um, Let's see here. Sorry, I got lost for a second. His corruption of nature is sin, but we do not have to confess our corruption of nature the same way we confess a particular sin. See, I, I would disagree with this. I think we should be confessing to God, God, I saw that as good. I saw what you clearly say is bad as good. I responded in a way that was um, in opposition to what I know to be good and true and holy and your way. I responded badly. My, my nature is still corrupt. I mean, Paul himself said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. You know, Paul recognized that as a problem. He recognized that as a sin, something that needs to be, um, to be warred against. Um, and, then, and then, you know, Doug says, well, if we had to do that, every mother's son of us would be confessing our remaining sin, our corruption of nature all the time, every day. <clears throat> So, um, is that, is, is this similar to how we would be praying without ceasing? 
<laughs> I mean, there is a difference between having to overtly say it all the time and recognizing it as the sin that it is. And, but in that moment, this, this example of his, yeah, the sin, the sin of seeing as good should be confessed. So, okay. We're going to, I'm going to move forward a little bit now, I guess. Doug, like he copied and pasted some other things uh, from this. He copied and pasted some stuff that to to try, I guess, to help us understand what his real position was. Um, but I want to get down here to the temptation of Christ because I, I found this to be very troubling. Um, so he 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 goes on to say, uh, we are not told that Jesus was tempted. Um, just that, excuse me, we are not just told Jesus was tempted. We are told he was tempted like as we are. Yes, Jesus, Jesus uh, was um, bearing his human nature and tempted in that way. The fact that he says the fact that the tempter is Satan makes his appeals to corrupted and fallen beings does not turn what Jesus went through into a different thing. Uh, yes, in the case of the temptation of Christ, um, that was analogous to external temptations, external temptations that we might um, experience. Uh, Doug goes on to say he was tempted and he was tempted in such a way as to feel the force of it. Now, scripture doesn't indicate that this is true. In fact, Jesus, as far as we can tell from scripture, Jesus just turns to Satan and says, yeah, you're saying this, buddy, but that's not what the word of God says. I mean, Jesus answered every temptation with scripture, every temptation with knowledge. Um, there's no indication that Jesus did did anything even in the midst of um, the the weakness and frailty of his human nature, that he did anything other than swat the devil away, it's like no, nope, <laughs> you know he he provided an example for what we're supposed to do when external temptations are put before us, and what did he do? He used the word of God, the truth of God's word to push those temptations to, to reject them wholesale. Even think about it. I mean, he thought about it, but he like, there was no battle going on in his heart as he struggled and wrestled with this and like, you know, try to figure out, well, what are the good parts or the bad parts? He, there, there was no, um, no calculation going on as far as, um, what we might do bearing our sinful nature when presented with internal or external temptations. Um, he said, he said, yeah, Doug said he was tempted to feel the force of it. I don't see that scripturally. We're all familiar with the temptation accounts of Matthew and Luke and the Luke account. We were told that the devil left him for a season. Um, yeah, departed from him until an opportune time is what the ESV says. It was not the case that Jesus was tempted one time at the beginning of his ministry. And then everything after, after that was plain sailing. Well, in, in terms of, in terms of uh, Jesus um, sinning or not, yes, it was plain sailing. Do we, do we think as as believers that that the divine nature of Jesus Christ was susceptible to sinning the way that we are? I don't. Jesus was, and is, by the way, fully human and fully and fully God, fully fully human and fully divine. And the human nature of Jesus Christ was not susceptible to sin because of his divinity. Now that's not saying his human nature is different from our human nature. I, I, 
tweeted before, like yesterday or something, in a way that I think could have confused that a little bit. I want to be clear. Jesus's humanity and our humanity are the same humanity, but he does not bear the curse. He does not bear the fallen nature that um that we that we struggle with. And so as he's as he's going about his ministry, he's he's incarnate, he's ministering on earth, he is not in any way struggling with this idea, well, I might sin here, or he's not struggling in any way with sinful desire or something like that. That's not the case. So so when Doug says, well, you know, that that everything after was not plain sailing, he said Jesus was clearly tempted and tested at the battle at Gethsemane. That time was when he submitted his will to the will of the Father despite enormous pressure to not do so. Again, we have another like blending of of sort of this weird combination of Christ's human nature and his divine nature. Um, No, Jesus was in, in no way considered sinning at the battle of Gethsemane. Um, I said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. This is not temptation to sin. This is Jesus proper reaction to what he knows is coming. Sorrow is the proper and righteous reaction for Christ to have, knowing that he is about to suffer in the way that he suffered, about to be um, cast cast aside, in a manner of speaking, by the Father. Um, sorrow is not evidence of um, him wrestling with sinning or not. Doug goes on to write to say that the Lord felt that temptation is true temptation is to raise another question, which is whether or not Jesus could have sinned. Um, Jesus is fully divine, right? He's God incarnate. So no, he is, he is what we would call impeccable, not peccable, impeccable, incapable of sin due to his divinity and his human nature has, has not had, had, has not fallen. He didn't inherit the curse we all inherited through our father, Adam, because he was born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit, but he, he doesn't inherit the sinful nature and therefore his humanity and his divinity are, are, are working together is in which, which we call it the hypostatic union. It's, it's impossible for our little human brains to really understand this. I would argue, um, but Doug goes on to, he describes this, uh, this comparison again, which I would argue is, is problematic and, and says, okay, because the Lord's bones were breakable, his physical form was breakable and yet didn't break because of prophecy and the providence of God that said, you know, prophecy would be that his bones won't break. And so they, and so they didn't is to say that in the same way he was capable of sinning, but because God, because the, in the providence and prophecy, uh, it was prophesied that, that he wouldn't sin, that the word would be fulfilled, that that's why he didn't sin. And I'm like, no, he didn't sin because he's not a sinner. He didn't sin because he's God. He's divine. He's perfect. That's why he didn't sin. Um, and, and that while that agrees with prophecy and providence, that's not the, uh, that's not the reason. <laughs> so, um, Doug goes on to say, and I'm going to kind of skip down to the end because we are really running out of time. Um, 
it said, he said here, and thus it was not possible that Christ would fall to his genuine temptations. Again, we got a problem here. Um, Doug is saying that it wasn't possible for Christ to, to sin, to fall to his general gen- genuine temptations, as he says, because of the prophecy. I'm like, no, it wasn't possible to fall because he was God. And yes, so God prophesying and then God fulfilling is, is all true and valid, but it's not the reason that Jesus didn't, didn't succumb to his temptations. Um, he says Christ could have sinned the same way his bones could have been broken. No, that's not true. That's a a terrible analogy. Um, in, in conclusion, I'm going to skip down a little bit because we are, um, I got about, about three more minutes before we jump to the PTVIP. Now I will, I'll, we'll continue to talk about this in the PTVIP, but I I want to, I want to tie a bow on this before we got to go. Uh, it says in conclusion, finally, the way Jared Moore framed all this, it looked like various warriors in the fight against side B revoice downgrade, uh, were surreptitiously side B advocates themselves. This is frankly absurd. Um, that's not really what Jared Moore was saying. I think you'll find this if you listen to him on our, on protesting tonight from last week, or you listen to him on conversations that matter. Um, he was just saying that hey, you've given ground on this. You, you've, you've left a door open here by not being careful about how you frame things, not being careful about the way you use terminology. And it's, it's really with, I think a good heart. I, I, I do because I, I think that there are, um, on the road to sanctification, there are believers and and we're all like this to an extent, believers that have specific sins or specific proclivities that must be uh, mortified and they're different from other believers. And so you, you have believers, you know, or, or Christians or they've made a profession of faith in Christ who are, um, struggling with homosexual desire and, and these things, and especially within our culture that, it, I mean, it shoves it down your throat. How do you minister to them um, in, in, in an effective way? How do you, how do you approach this issue in an effective way? And it, so it's really easy to pour your heart out to them and to, to give ground biblically, you know, and, and I don't know if I would say on purpose or not, but it's, it's really easy to do. I guess I should, and we're going to jump over to the, uh, the PTVIP here in a minute, but, but I want to say, and I I hope that, um, you know, if if Doug hears this, I want to be clear. I, again, I don't think that Doug Wilson is a heretic. I don't, I, I've been the beneficiary of a lot of his work. I think that there are things with his theology that I take pretty serious issue with. I'm a, you know, a Baptist, first of all, so that, that, that obviously is going to, affects some of those things, but even what I would argue is sort of his unique theological recipe. Like he doesn't really fit into, um, he doesn't really fit into a standard confessional camp. Um, he really, uh, here's, I mean, just a quick example. If I say Christian and Doug Wilson says Christian, we actually mean two different things. Um, when I say, when I say Christian, I'm, I'm referring to a regenerate believer. I don't use the label Christian to define anything other than somebody who, um, as far as we can tell by any stretch of the imagination, by their profession, by their, by their, the fruit of the spirit, by the evidence that we would want to see biblically 
is a regenerate believer who's been saved. That's how I use the word Christian. Um, Doug has two different ways of using the word Christian. He, he has the invisible church, you know, which he would say is regenerate believers, but then he has this other group that, well, they they, we're going to call them Christian, even if they're not regenerate because they're, they're part of the visible church. They're part of the organization. I guess, you know, they go to church and they go through the motions and this and that and whatever. Um, they're also Christians, but sort of like a different kind of Christian or, or they're, they're general recipients of the, of the benefits of Christianity without being regenerate, without being elect. That's why he calls Roman Catholics Christians. And, and that's why he calls them like brothers in Christ. Um, even though I think if you, if you pin them down and said, well, yeah, but they don't believe in, um, being saved by faith alone. They believe in faith plus works. That's, that's not a saving faith. He would agree. He would say, yeah, they're, they're not elect, you know, they're not regenerate. You know, if they, if they're elect, they will come to true faith eventually, but right now they're not regenerate. He would still call them Christian brothers and sisters. Um, that, that's not helpful. It's not uh, that, that, that means he's using his own lexicon, his own definitions of these things. And, and, and I think that that's, that's something that we rightly, um, have concerns with. Um, anyway, I'm going to continue this in the PT VIP. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to protesting tonight for January 17th, 2023. Um, check out I'm, I'm, trying to think I I may write a follow-up article to this just because I want to be clear especially since you know the the, the folks I'm talking about a lot of them don't even know who I am and I don't want them to feel blindsided I don't want them to feel like we're taking this seriously but also that we care enough to to have the discussion and point this out Uh, if that happens you will see it on protestu.com and uh, um, thank you so much uh, everybody for tuning in uh, patrons, hang on there. I will switch the stream over here in a few minutes. Link is in Patreon. Everybody else, love you. Have a good night. God bless. Oh, and as always, Semper Reformanda. Semper Reformanda.